Broadcasting from the Hal Johanna Studios, that's my family house. It's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I am your host, Nate Cross. Let's talk freight. All right, Midnight Freight Broker Nation, welcome back for episode 34. Three, four. So if it's a if it's your first time listen for you, make sure to check out the other 33 episodes. Feel free to message me or leave a comment or a review and and let me know what you want to hear about on future episodes. But today we're going to talk about a couple of things I've got here. First is an article about the owner operator protests that we've seen happen and that are planned to happen again in the future. And then I want to talk about freight broker schools. In my uh in my experience over the last five, six years in the freight agent world, I've come across a lot of folks who have attended freight broker schools, have contacted me asking for opinions on it. I even know people that have have offered training themselves. So I really want to dig into what you're getting with a school, what kind of schools are out there, who's providing them, and really what my personal recommendation is for you if you're looking into it. So First things first, I want to get into this article, and this one came from thetrucker.com, and it's titled, Owner Operators Plan Mayday Protest to Bring Awareness to Drastic Decline in Rates, Broker Operations. So the, the big thing here is we've seen a lot of carriers, specifically owner operators, who have been a little bit agitated and irritated based on the decline in rates, and they're using their First Amendment right, and taking that free speech and demonstrating and showing their really what their opinion is and and putting it out there. And we've even seen some citations happen because of some of the actions that have been taken. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of message that sends specifically. I don't want to speak to that, but I want to get into this specific article and talk about what's happened, what's going to happen, why is it happening? Um, you know, what is the economy impact on all this? And, you know, what should people be doing? And what's my personal opinion on it? So, that being said, I'm going to read a couple of uh, lines from the article, and then I'll give my analysis to it. So the article does start off with a little bit of a positive bit of news here, stating that you know restaurants are finding ways to feed drivers whose trucks can't fit in the drive-through lanes. Food trucks are serving truckers at rest areas, and just ordinary, regular folks are giving free lunches to truck drivers. So we've seen a lot of really good actions and you know, people coming together as a community and as a nation to do good things for truck drivers. I, I definitely think that that drivers and the transportation industry overall is part of that group of workers that are really essential to keeping America going right now. It's it's really part of the backbone and the strong muscle to keep us alive and, and from going totally flipped upside down. So one of the things that um, we've seen specifically is the, the owner operators and you know, they're obviously dependent very heavily on finding freight in the spot market, um, and they're getting fed up with low freight rates is what the article actually says it to be. The reason that owner ops obviously are, are relying on this spot market has to do really with the, I guess, their their role in the industry, right? You're not a large company that's big enough to be able to maintain all your own sales and get a lot of big contracts. So therefore, you're going to rely on brokers to give, um, you know, loads to you from their customers. So some of the things that we've seen happen, this is back April 20th. So about a week and a half ago, there was a 75 driver staged protest in Houston on the East Loop Freeway. 
that's portion of Interstate 610. Um, drivers were, some of them were cited for obstruction of traffic. One was even charged with enticing a riot. That's what the article says. Uh, there's another one a few days later on April 24th. Over 100 drivers did a slow roll in L.A. and San Bernardino County freeways. And the article says that several of those drivers as well were cited for obstruction of traffic. So I think personally, I'm a huge fan of the First Amendment and using free speech and demonstration. I think whenever you get people that are pissed off, though, and they're going to start using things like free speech, demonstration, protests, there's always a couple that go a little bit too far. And, you know, I've seen it with, um, you know, protests locally, even here in Western New York, I've seen it. Um, and, you know, some of the big demonstrations in large cities like New York City, D.C. over the years, you know, no matter what it is, there's always going to be a few that are just a little bit more turned up, I guess, enthusiasm wise. And they cross that line. So uh, a couple more lines from the article. It, it basically it hits on why is this happening? OK, the reason that rates have fallen and continue to fall really has to do, and this is spot market specific, has to do with simply supply and demand. And I've talked about this in the past and it doesn't really change. Economics, you know, you don't get a pass on math or economics just because we're in a coronavirus pandemic here. All right. It's terrible what's happening out there. And, you know, I hate to see rates go down or people make less money or people not being gainfully employed. But this is simple economics here. Okay. Supply is going to be the supply of trucks, right? Last couple of years, we saw a big uptick in purchase of tractor trailers and assets and equipment for trucking companies. And a lot of it had to do with the confidence in the market, right? There was a you know big push in the last couple of years. The economy was doing well. So people were buying up trucks and really just increasing the supply of available equipment that's out there. Now, the demand is going to come heavily based on how much freight is there to be shipped, right? And you look at the supply demand curve, as one goes up and the other one goes down, it's gonna affect rates, all that good stuff, okay? Well, not really good stuff, it's, it's hurting a lot of people right now. So you take an influx in trucks in the last couple of years, a decrease in shipments, and that obviously comes with a lot of companies being shut down right now. And I talked about this last week specifically, how you know you might have an essential service that's open, but maybe one of their suppliers is not open, right? So that's going to impact the demand for trucks as well. Now you factor in the decrease in fuel costs, right? Because if oil is going down, that's going to affect diesel prices, all right? And a lot of times rates have a fuel surcharge built into them. So when fuel goes down, the overall rate's going to go down because the cost to operate is going to be lower. And I think it even said something in here that it was uh, a year ago, the average cost for diesel was 73 cents higher per gallon. So it's gone down quite drastically in the last one year, specifically the last few months. Okay. So um, let's get a little bit further into it here. So we had a, there, there, the article talks about a guy that went on to, I think it was Facebook. He had like 130,000 views on this big post of a live video that he had shared. And what he had said was, I'll quote it, it says, quote, what I would like to push for is legislation to have these brokers regulated with just percentage, a small percentage. And that's the end of the quote. That was actually in uh, a post just a few days ago. I think it was April 27th. Um, and I talked about this last week. There was a someone who posted on Facebook about wanting to regulate broker profit margins and things like that. Um, the article goes on to state that while there are several regulations that regulate broker conduct and brokers' relationships with carriers, there are no regulations that specify how much money 
the broker can keep or how much they must pay an owner operator. And a lot of this just simply comes back to a free market that we operate in. Okay. So let's go through what happened, right? Protests, more protests. People are pissed off. I get it. Carriers want to be making more money. They want to blame somebody. And you know, this is an intangible thing right now with coronavirus. You can't put your hands on it. You can't necessarily point your finger at somebody. Um, but I think a lot of times you're going to want to point your finger at somebody, even if it's not the right thing to do or it's not the right person. So a lot of carriers are blaming brokers and you've got brokers that might be blaming carriers or shippers because of this, that, or the other thing. So everyone's upset and everyone's trying to point the finger. I think the best thing to do is, you know, if you're a carrier, vet out the loads that you're seeing before you accept one, right? You might see a low rate per mile and, you know, maybe there's more to it than you actually see. Maybe it's a partial or something like that. Uh, maybe it was posted incorrectly. Who knows? But maybe you do have a broker that's just posting a really crappy rate for that load and it's, you know, move on to the next one. Don't take a load if it's not worth your time. If you're a broker, vet out your carriers just the same way. Make sure that if they're requesting or demanding a certain rate or giving some kind of feedback, do your research. Make sure you're getting a good sample size of what's actually going on out there. Educate yourself. Make sure you know what, what is fuel doing? What are shipment volumes looking like? What does the supply demand look like? And a lot of a lot of really good tools out there. If you look at a truck stop, I know in rate mate, they've got like the uh, the negotiation skills based on carriers posted versus shipments posted in a certain area for origin and destination. Use the tools that you have available to you. There's a lot of them out there. I just named one just as an example, but um, take a look at them. Make sure you have a good idea of the full picture here. And the last recommendation is just be respectful, whether you're a broker or a carrier, or maybe you're a shipper, a traffic manager, something like that. Be respectful. Nobody wants the economy to be performing the way that it is right now. All right. We've seen, you know, we've seen lows that are, you know, second to just the 2008 crisis when the uh, when the economy tanked back then. So obviously this will bounce back. It will rebound. But as we get through these times, be respectful, right? Give a fair price, give a fair rate and offer fair service and be really kind and respectful when you're communicating with each other because nobody's happy about this right now. OK, so just make sure that we're all being respectful. That's my big just piece of advice on it. OK, no one's going to be any happier or feel any better by tearing into somebody else because, you know, rates are lower, shipment volumes are down. There's an influx in capacity versus the demand that's required for them. So that's it. I think you're going to see more protests like this. And like I said, I'm a big fan of demonstration and First Amendment rights and using your free speech and speaking how you feel and use social media, all that. Get your get your voice out there, right? Start a movement if that's your thing. Okay. But don't cross that line. I think you can leave a really dirty mark on your image and on your character and reputation if you do that. So hate to see truck drivers getting citations because they're practicing their First Amendment right. Okay, next, I wanted to get into my topic of freight broker schools. And this actually came as a as a recommended topic for me to do this week. I had a buddy of mine that uh, he's been in the industry a little bit, just a little bit longer than me. And, you know, he deals with a lot of agents and um, folks that are looking to become brokers, things like that. <laughs> and he said, you know, I've, I've heard too many times, and I agree with him because I have as well, that somebody will think that they're qualified to either start a brokerage or get hired by a brokerage and not be entry level or need training because, oh, I went through a freight broker course online. I got this certificate. Um, so I want to really go through the types of these schools, who's providing them, what do they really do for you? And what's my real recommendation if you want to get into brokerage? 
So first thing, what are the types of freight broker schools out there? If you just do a simple Google search and you look for freight broker training, you'll find hundreds. They're out there because a lot of people are just looking to make a quick dollar. Some of them are actually really good quality material. Um, but my bottom line up front is I wouldn't recommend paying for any online course unless you're going to get a true value out of it in your eyes. I know some people say don't do them at all. Um, but as long as you understand that it's it's really just education for you. And if you prefer to have a structured course that's going to give you just knowledge that you could probably get yourself for free online anyway through YouTube videos and just by doing some research and reading blogs. Just understand that. Have that expectation. It's not going to get you a foot in the door with a company and they're going to hire you and give you a big salary because um, a lot of these courses are it's just, you know, it's just a, basically a, a high level 40,000 foot view picture of what is the transportation industry, what is brokerage, what is the broker's job in the transaction between shippers and getting that load delivered by a carrier to the actual end customer. Okay. So there's a lot of online courses and I've seen people charge anywhere from a hundred bucks. I've seen up to $2,500 for an online course. And a lot of these are pre-recorded. They're not even done live or on like a conference call. It's pre-recorded material that's just stored somewhere on a server that you get access to. Okay. Um, it's probably going to show you, I've never actually taken one of them because I, I don't personally find the value in them. Um, even for a hundred bucks, I wouldn't do it. But I've, I've, um, I've gotten feedback from folks. It's probably just going to give you an overview of what does a broker do? What's a day in the life of a broker? You know, how do you prospect shippers and how do you negotiate rates and you know, what happens or what do you do when this happens with a carrier or with the load? You know, there's, it's very basic high level stuff, but it's not going to really do a whole lot for you. So the online pre-recorded stuff. So what happens if you have a question, right? Who do you ask? You know, it's probably, you know, years old and maybe not the most current when it comes to regulations or new data, things like that. Um, so you really you're, you get what you pay for. So if you get an online pre-recorded course, it's just information and data for you. That's really all you're going to get for that. Um, I've seen some in-person courses as well, and this can be done um, actually in person in a conference room or in a classroom. Uh, I've also seen them done, I'll, I'll call it in person, but it's it's virtual. I've seen them done where you do it via like uh, Zoom meetings or Skype, FaceTime, something like that, where it's actually done live and you get to see the other person face to face, or maybe you're in a group and you can have group questions. I think there's more value in those because you can actually have a conversation live at that time and ask questions and, and talk about, um, you know, your thoughts and your questions that come up and, you know, curiosity in certain aspects of the industry. Um, but again, it's just a learning environment. It's a classroom type of setting. You're not actually doing the job live. Okay. Um, another version that I've seen is like a mentorship. And if you're going to do any of them, I would probably recommend this one more so than anyone else. That's probably the only one that I would recommend if, if I recommended any of these. So what I've seen is somebody that will say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer you a mentorship on how to become a broker. And they might say, I want you to pay me X amount of money to become part of this. That shows good faith that you're serious about it. And then once you make a certain amount of profit, I'm going to start paying you commission. So that way you're, you're kind of giving them your upfront, Hey, I'm serious. I'm going to pay you a couple hundred bucks. And then, you know, once I start moving freight and getting customers, I'm going to recoup that and start making commission type thing. So now the, the mentorship things are great because you're not just in a classroom setting, you're actually working with a broker and they're walking you through 
day by day, step by step, how to actually perform your job. And you'll, you know, I always recommend learn from somebody who's doing it and is very, very good at it, right? If you want to, you know, if you want to get a six pack, you don't go ask the fat guy down the street who's eating, you know, donuts all day long. How did he, you know, how do, how do you get a six pack? You want to look at the guy at the gym who has a six pack and is working out hard, getting that swell on, right? That's the guy you want to talk to. So when it comes to brokerage, same rule applies here. Okay. You want to work with someone who's a really good skilled broker. That's a top producer, not somebody that maybe did it for six months and now has got some pre-recorded online course, right? You're going to get what you pay for. Like I said, and if you can find these folks that are going to do a mentorship type of program where they're going to allow you to work underneath them, and maybe even you're, you're going to do it for free and not get paid for a little bit or have to pay a little bit upfront to show you're serious and then get that money back. It's not a bad idea to look into. Okay. So providers of these schools, I have seen, like I said, you'll have somebody that maybe runs a brokerage or used to run a brokerage and they'll have an online course. That's the majority of them. Okay. I think they look for some sort of passive residual income because they just have a good website up there with a good sales funnel, good Google search keywords on there. So when someone searches freight broker school, they pop up, they get their hundred bucks or their 500 bucks, whatever it is. And you go through their course of information you could have gotten free anyway. Not, not a good way to go about doing it. Um, TIA actually has a new broker course that they offer. And I think it's like 700 bucks if you're a member or like a thousand, a little bit more if you're not a member. And that's actually one that it's very good information from TIA that may be actually worth your time if you're looking to I guess, you know, file for your own authority, get your own bond and, and run your own brokerage. Um, I don't always recommend doing that. I, I kind of shy away from that for a lot of other reasons, but they might actually not be a bad idea of a course to look into just for general information and knowledge. It's credible. It's from TIA. So, you know, it's not just some Joe Schmo. Um, like I said, brokers, you'll get some agents. That's the majority of people who are going to offer that mentorship type of model, right? They're operating under someone else's authority. They're on a straight commission type of pay situation or um, pay scale or whatever you want to call it. And they're looking ultimately to be able to hire you on underneath them. So it's in their best interest for you to succeed. What they don't want though, is to be flooded by a hundred different people who all want to hop in for free and learn from them and have no experience and aren't serious about it. That's why they might actually ask for some money up front as a deposit, which you can then get refunded to you once you start actually producing. Uh, I think the turnover in new brokers in my experience has, you know, if someone goes to a course and then tries to hop on somewhere, it's very, very high. I think probably less than 5% will actually succeed because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hustle and grind, a lot of smiling and dialing the first couple of weeks and months that you, that you get behind the saddle there. Um, I've seen a college or actually a couple of different colleges offer a course that undergrads can take. Or, you know, if you just want to take an individual class through that university, they offer it that way. Um, never taken one. I've never actually talked to someone who's gone through it. I've just seen it advertised. I've seen it available online. But you're paying the college credit rate. So you might be paying a few thousand dollars just to go through this class that again, you could probably get the information for free online. Also, you're just kind of learning. You're not actually doing it live. You're just learning material and it's in a classroom setting. So, you know, something to think about. Um, Another type of provider you might see is something like a, um, you know, the W2 model. I'm going to hire you and you're going to be on a, maybe an intern type of basis to start off where you actually get in there and you're working for a company. And that's a really good way to do it. It's not 
really a school. It's more like a, uh, hey, we're going to hire you on a temp basis or something like that. And if you do well and you succeed, we're going to give you a full-time position. So um, cool. Costs, I already kind of hit on that. I've seen anywhere from 100 bucks to $2,500. It is, uh, it's a gimmick at the end of the day, I think for a lot of these. Seriously, just do some Google researching. Watch a ton of YouTube videos. If you go on YouTube and you just look up freight broker training or freight broker sales seminars, there's a lot of free material out there. And again, YouTube and the internet is, is flooded with tons of stuff. It's not all the best quality, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. Also, you'll have a lot of blog posts from a lot of companies that are out there. Freelancers, you'll see on um LinkedIn, people will have good material, do a lot of self-educating, a lot of self-absorbing of knowledge. But ultimately, I think the best way to do it is to offer to work for somebody for free and then in return, have that long-term relationship with them. Okay. Like I said, that mentorship is probably the best way to do it. I've seen people in the past and even that it's not a very high retention rate or success rate, but it's probably the, the best of the types that I've talked about here. So you know, I I think that somebody that wants to take a course and then just go file for their authority and their bond and in, get insurance and just set up, it's a really, really good way to set yourself up for failure. Okay. You don't have a mentor to help you out. You don't really have any left or right limits to keep you in balance if you start making mistakes. You want to be working with somebody who's really, really good at what they're doing as a high producer, like I said. Um, okay. So just to recap, what do these courses actually do for you? All right. Um, like I said, the mentorship ones, ultimately, they likely want you to work for them. So that's going to offer you a job opportunity. All these other ones, the online ones, the video ones, the virtual trainings, if there's no job attached at the end, you're really doing nothing but getting information that you could otherwise get for free. So, you know, that's kind of the the downside to these. And like I said, I'm not a huge fan of them, but um, some of them will offer you a certificate. Like, hey, you got a, a a course completion certification for this course, which is really, it equates to zero. It's nothing. It's just something that's made up and it's like a, Hey, it's an attaboy pat on the back. Good job. You graduated my course. That's not accredited by anybody. Um, the only one that I think would have any kind of accreditation would, would be the one from TIA because TIA is the one that's providing it. So something to look into, like I said, um, I think that the big takeaway here is to learn by doing the job not by reading or watching videos necessarily, okay? If you really, really want to learn how to broker, you got to work with someone who's already doing it. You know, the W-2 model can be great to start off if you're young or fresh out of college or looking for a career change. Uh, if you have that, you know, that huge hungry mentality and you really want to bet on yourself and go all in commission only, look at that mentorship type model where you're working as a sub agent underneath an existing agent or underneath an existing broker who's licensed and wants to actually walk you through it. You got to make sure that that person has the time to be able to actually work with you on this stuff though, because ultimately they have their own business to run. So there's got to be a healthy balance between how much you're helping somebody else out, how much they're focusing on you, how much they're focusing on their own business. It's got to all jive. All right. So overall, my take on freight broker schools they get a big thumbs down, right? Big thumbs down from Nate Cross. I would say though, obviously, like I mentioned before, find somebody that you know that is very good at what they're doing in the industry and learn from them, okay? A lot of good ways to connect with these folks. Use social media. The, the Facebook groups for freight brokers are a lot bigger than you might think. If you're not on them, I would definitely recommend joining. If you just search freight broker or you know transportation professionals, you'll find a lot of brokerage 
type of groups on there and a lot of good conversations. A lot of it's just carriers, you know, bitching and complaining about brokers or vice versa. There's a lot of, you know, bad comments that you might see on there, but a lot of them have good moderators. So a lot of that stuff gets drowned out. So, um, LinkedIn also a great way to do it. You can connect with people on there, um, send them direct messages. Um, you know, Get, just get to get to networking. Okay. The same thing goes with getting new customers is to finding someone that's going to help you learn your trade even better. Okay. Um, so that's my take on Friday Broker Schools. If you got questions about it, let me know. Feel free, leave a comment, shoot me a message on LinkedIn, send me an email, whatever works best for you. Would love to give you feedback. I've probably talked to at least 500, if not a thousand people in the last five or six years that have talked about either going through a course, they have a course that they did it years ago. They're looking at going through a course and they wanted to know, you know, does that make me eligible to be an agent now? Can I do this? And, you know, the short answer is no, it doesn't. Okay. Uh, you got to have real experience. You got to have some customers. You can't just, you know, come in with this phony bogus certificate that you got from going through someone's course for 99 bucks. So, but if you want to spend a little bit of money and get some, you know, potentially, well-organized information on the industry that you can get for free elsewhere, have at it. You get what you pay for, okay? Not going to guarantee you a job, though. So, all right, that's my take on Freight Broker Schools. I want to finish up with a couple of trending and social media topics here, and they're all kind of focused on this decrease in rates and drivers getting pissed off, but I want to address them either way. So, Josh on Facebook says, how many truckers are really saying no to cheap loads? I don't have a specific answer on this, but I will say I think <laughs> I think a lot of carriers are saying no and then bitching about it on Facebook. We're not going to really have good data on how many loads are refused by owner operators. It's it's tough to say, um, but I you're definitely seeing the chatter out there. People are really complaining and and moaning on social media about these low rates and you know crappy brokers and this that and the other thing. Um, so I think there's definitely more truckers who are opting to maybe take a furlough if it was offered or, you know, sit on the sidelines and, you know, wait for times to get better. I don't, I don't know, but there's definitely going to be, and I definitely think there's an increase in people that are saying no to the cheap loads and you should be right. If a load's too cheap and it doesn't cover your cost or make you money, I wouldn't be taking it. So I can't blame you on that. Next question uh, or statement, actually princess on Facebook posted a couple of pictures from truck stop and it was showing an example of rates at 90 cents a mile. And even she said some at 10 cents a mile. Um, you might find some slimy brokers out there that have really cheap rates posted. You might also have a broker that had an error and might've mistakenly put the wrong rate in there. Um, you're not required to take someone's rate or someone's load, if it's a low rate, you know, you get to pick and choose. It's a free market. No one's, no one's got your hands tied here. Um, you know, I, I think you maybe want to do your homework to investigate that a little bit more. Is that a partial? Is there something, you know, is there a reason why it's so cheap? Does it come with something else? Is there a secondary load after it? Uh, who knows, right? Do your homework. Don't take the ones that are too cheap for you though. The last one comes from Stuart. He's telling people to stop driving and collect unemployment. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've heard from a lot of people that they are making more money now on unemployment with the $600 a week kicker that's getting tossed in there backed by the federal government than they were when they were actually working. I actually had a friend of mine who's, who's trying to hire for a company of his in a, basically like a warehousing or like shop type of uh role. It's, it's a blue collar job in a, like a, 
factory type of warehouse type of situation, paying 15 bucks an hour around there. And he can't get people to come back to work because they're making more money from unemployment. So that unemployment doesn't last forever. And it'll go back down to its original levels, I think after 13 weeks or three months, something like that. So um, yeah, people are doing it. I would definitely recommend to stay at work if you can though. First of all, it'll keep you mentally sane. Right. And if you're an owner operator, you can kind of, you know, write your own paycheck with how much you want to drive as long as you're within your, um, you know, hours of service and all those regulations. You know, you have a lot more control over yourself than somebody that's unemployed and sitting on the sidelines and losing their relationships. So, you know, the more you keep working, you're keeping that relationship with the brokers, with shippers directly, if you've got your own customers. So I'd recommend keep driving, keep working. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's, I guess, there's an argument to be made that if we, take some drivers off the road because they choose to and get unemployment that, um, you know, it could help that supply demand situation. Um, that being said, unemployment is not just a guaranteed handout. There are requirements that you have to meet in order to be eligible to qualify to receive them. So, um, you can't just quit your job cause you want to collect it. It doesn't work that way. Um, if you were let go for some reason, you might be eligible for it. If you were furloughed because of the coronavirus, that's definitely a good reason to be able to be eligible for it. Um, but just to willingly stop work and try to collect it, you might slip through the cracks right now, but it's definitely not a good ethical decision for you to make. So plus, pretty sure every week you have to go and um, verify your status if you turn down work, something like that. So you might be lying on there if you chose to stop driving just to try and collect it. So that's my take on it. Um, you know, it is what it is. Feel free and do what you decide you want to do. My voice is, you know, worth what you pay for, which is, uh, you know, zero. So some people might say that. Uh, but yeah, that's what I got. One last thought here, too. I know I didn't hit on this earlier in the show. The NFL draft. I personally thought it was interesting the way it worked out. A lot of people were saying that it was going to suck this year. It was going to tank and be garbage because it was all virtual. I actually watched all three days of it and it was probably the most entertaining thing that was on TV. And I actually looked forward to it. It was sports related, which we haven't had, you know, virtually anything that in that uh, category the last couple of months here. So I thought it was great. I thought the bills made some good moves. Um, a lot of interesting picks by a bunch of different teams. Obviously Tua went to Miami. You got um, Joe Burrow down in Cincinnati. So a couple of new fresh QBs in the NFL. Now it'll be interesting to see how they pan out. I know uh, Fromm went to the bills in the fifth round, I believe out of uh, Georgia. So he's maybe competing for a, a backup role there in Buffalo. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, Training camp pans out. I know in um, in New York State, Governor Cuomo was asked about Buffalo Bills training camp, and he said he's not ready to make a decision yet, but he's going to authorize when it's okay to start that. So anyway, it's good to see us starting to get back towards you know exciting things in the NFL and, and sports overall. So that's my that's my take on that. So until next episode, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining us and make sure to check out the show notes for links to the articles that I discussed today. Make sure to leave a review and send me a message with your comments and suggestions for future topics. See you on the next episode. Aloha.